have you ever noticed that overthinking and second-guessing yourself doesn't actually improve the quality of your decisions? We wrongly assume that the solution to a problem must be reasonable and practical and maybe even popular with our people. We don't want to act on gut instinct unless it makes perfect sense. Because what if we're wrong? And so we get stuck in our heads because we think there's something to figure out, as if more time, information, and analysis will ease our anxiety and guarantee perfect results. But you already know that perpetual indecision erodes your confidence and autonomy. We hesitate to set boundaries with ourselves and other people because we're emotionally dependent on help, validation, and approval. And we end up regretting more of what we didn't do than what we did. My guest today is Nicole Song, an award-winning journalist, best-selling author, and host of the School of Self-Worth podcast. And she's here to help us understand the secret language of intuition. Intuition is your built-in navigation system, and you can access it at any time. But like the cruise control setting on your car, it only works if you turn it on. So if you're new to this whole idea that you should be feeling more than you think, you're going to walk away from this episode with an understanding of what intuition actually is, where it comes from, and how to know if it's right. We'll discuss how your intuition can provide you with guidance and support in simple everyday decisions. We're also going to talk about what does and doesn't happen when you ignore your intuition and finally, you're going to learn some simple strategies for developing your felt sense of intuition, even if you're a chronic overthinker. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. Waking up with a hangover and realizing you did it again, even though you promised yourself things were going to be different, is the point of entry for changing your drinking habits. The mistake that's keeping you stuck is in that moment thinking that your change should have happened last night before you had that fourth drink. And so you beat yourself up because you're telling yourself that you failed, which reinforces the belief that you can't stop once you start, as well as the belief that you probably shouldn't be drinking at all. But let's pause the tape and step outside of the scene. All of that is happening in your head, which is why the diagnostic criteria for alcohol use disorder makes no mention of quantity, of how much alcohol you actually consume. It's not how much you drink. It's how you feel about how much you drink and how that affects your relationship with yourself. It's not about the alcohol. And research clearly shows that resolving your issues with yourself 
naturally reduces and sometimes even eliminates your desire for alcohol. Certainly your desire to use alcohol to escape. So if you want to be able to drink and not drink like a normal person, you're going to need to retrain your brain to respond differently when you make a mistake. And this is the work that I do in the next chapter. I teach the frameworks and the skills to change how you think about what you think. And if you're ready to stop beating yourself up and worrying that you'll always have to worry about over drinking, pause this episode and get into the show notes to register for my free masterclass this Thursday to learn how to use my seven core principles of emotional sobriety to overcome alcohol use disorder. When you sign up, you'll get immediate access to part one of the training, which is the five thinking habits that turn normal drinkers into overdrinkers. And you'll also get a bonus workbook with extra resources. You're going to walk away from this class with a brand new perspective on how to use self-compassion, non-judgment, and realistic expectations to change your mind and learn how to trust yourself with or without a drink in your hand. And once you learn how to trust yourself with alcohol, that's a skill you can apply to the rest of your life. You know, there is no way I could have listened to an episode like the one you're about to hear, my interview with Nicole. There's no way I could have heard this information five years ago and been able to apply it because I didn't believe that I could trust myself. I was drinking every day, whether I wanted to or not. I made promises to myself that I couldn't keep. I had no sense in my own capacity to be resilient and to follow through and to do hard things because I had a very limited window of my day with which to be productive. I mean, happy hour started at five and my life was just one big habit, which means there was not room for something new or anything more or so I thought until I learned how to stop believing everything I think, until I learned how to think new thoughts on purpose, new thoughts that actually helped me think less, think less and feel more. And as scary as it is to feel all of the feelings, once you look at them head on, you realize, oh, that's what they mean when they say feelings aren't facts. Ah, I get it. And so I'm excited to bring you this episode today with my friend Nicole Song because she herself is a recovering overthinker who has now become an expert in guiding women in the skill of intuitive thinking. And spoiler alert, everything you want is on the other side of your fear. Nicole, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you about intuition because it's not one I've dove very deep in with my audience. And it's something personally that I've been getting more and more into and figuring out what this intuition thing is versus my busy brain. And so I'm excited to have you as an expert in this subject. Would you introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, Colleen, thank you so much for having me on. I love, we've had this great connection over time from some groups we're in. So I'm just happy to be here to share. And yeah, so my name is Nicole Song and I help Asian American corporate leaders release the pressure valve and really unlock their intuition and step into their next purposeful life. 
And so intuition has been a, a really a driving force for me for a long time. I'm a former journalist. I was a yoga teacher also for a long time and then have been a coach for several years now. And I really, at different points in my life, have had to learn to follow my intuition. And I would say that was not natural for me. Like I started out as a very logical, very, especially like being a journalist, you're expected to gather information, process it, and then share it in a very logical way with your audience. And so I actually was super heavy on that side for a very long time in my life. And I was in that career for a decade. But it was also the time I actually started to notice when I wasn't using it. And so when I was a journalist, I was in Alaska at the time, I was working for the Anchorage Daily News. And I was working in a really intense topic. I had been brought onto a project about Catholic sex abuse. And so we won all these accolades for this big project that we had done. But then a year into that project, after it had come out, one of our victims died by suicide. And I had just one of those like really deep, profound, like, holy crap, is this really what I'm doing with my life moments? Mm -hmm. And then I had this moment where I was like, I don't really actually think this is right for me. Like, this is not a right fit for me. And then logic, of course, overrode my intuition. And I went on to try to figure out how could I survive in journalism and be safe from dealing with that intensity. And so I went to cover politics. I went to cover home and garden and all these other topics. Fast forward a few years and the newsroom is going through layoffs and they move me back out to, I'm moving away from features and back into the newsroom. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this again. Like I cannot be in a situation where I might risk myself like having to cover these really intense topics. And so I, at that time, was doing a lot of yoga. It was starting to help me get more connected to my body and this innate guidance system that we all have. And I had this moment where I was like, hey, Nicole, like it's time for you to leave journalism, which was terrifying. It was like my paycheck. It was my healthcare. It was my retirement. It was like my complete identity. I had never thought of myself as anything except a journalist. But I remember the moment I walked into my editor's office and I sat down with her and I said, I am giving two weeks notice. And she like kind of stared at me in shock. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then I like left the office and I was like shaking. I was like, I can't believe I just did this. And she runs off to the executive editor to be like, oh my God, Nicole's leaving. And then I just had this moment. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like it was the moment I had the power to change my own life. And I went on to use my intuition to really create a really big, expansive yoga career. I taught yoga at the White House Easter egg role for three years. I wrote two books on yoga for hikers and yoga for climbers. It's helped me launch my third book, 24 Ways to Move More. It helped me create my business. It helped me create my podcast, School of Self-Worth. And I would say now for me, intuition is the very guiding force for pretty much everything that I do. Okay. So as somebody who deals with anxiety, um, and I don't identify with that anymore, but throughout my life, I would not have been able to articulate the difference between intuition, that inner knowing or that longing or desire versus an anxious thought that actually leads to some impulse. You know, like in that moment, I would have questioned my judgment of quitting my job. That's just impulse. That's just me being reckless mm -hmm. and not being a big adult, doing adult things. Like, how do you tell the difference? And what is your experience of genuine intuition versus those impulses to just fight, 
fight, flight, flee, you know, a situation that we don't want to deal with? That's such a great question. And I think that comes up for a lot of people because we have an internal wiring system that actually is telling us what's happening with intuition versus anxiety. And if you don't have that distinction down, you can cross hairs. You're like, oh, like I'm feeling all this stress in my body. It means it's time for me to go. It means for me, it's time for me to take this dramatic action rather than really understanding when your intuition is like, it's time for you to do something different. Like your intuition is always positive. It's always supportive. It's always guiding you in a direction. And it's also pretty much almost always taking you somewhere you've never been before. So it's also really scary. And so that part of it, I think, is where people get confused because your intuition will tell you something and it's really quiet, it's really soft, it's really gentle, but it's telling you something to do something that you are terrified of. And so then we just get it, and it happens so quickly and all the reaction systems in our body go all at the same time. So you like have the intuitive hit, boom, scared. And then you think that it's anxiety. Yeah. 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 So what I'm hearing that I'd like to ask you to break open a little more is, is the difference having to do with moving away from pain versus moving towards something else? Or does it even matter? I mean, it sounds like in that newsroom, you were moving away from something that could potentially cause you pain. But is there any way to distinguish there? You know, I don't think of it necessarily as causing you to move away from pain. I think it's more that there are sometimes we just have these moments that are telling you something that you need to do differently in your life. And really what it was telling me was like, this is not for you. This is not actually the re career and the road that you want to be on. I didn't understand how to reconcile that because in my mind, I was like, this is what I'm doing. I was like literally planning to, you know, traverse a ladder of journalism my entire life for the next 30 years. And I was being told, don't do that. And I was like, that makes no sense to me. And so I tried to logic my way out of it by figuring out my career in a different way. And so I don't, I think for all of us, it's just a matter of starting to understand like at the time, and I'll say this too, for most people, we think of intuition as like these big major events. And that was a situation. It was like a big major event. But what I've learned over time is that you can actually really use your intuition on a daily basis and you can actually have it guide you in much smaller ways. And so when we can also remove ourselves from this idea that our intuition is only going to come in dramatic moments like that, then you're actually going to have a much better relationship with it. And then you can actually also have it guide you through any circumstance you're dealing with, whether it's like a big decision or a small decision. Like I use it to set my calendar up every day and you can use it that way. So one of the fallacies that I think I've been operating on that's actually allowing me to move into my intuition is the idea that getting an intuitive hit or following your own intuition means that there's some place over the rainbow that is waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And that if you do the thing that is coming up, that it's all going to work out absolutely perfectly. And you just have to trust and have faith. And where my understanding of intuition is not that oh, there's some secret pre-designed path that I'm supposed to be on it, and, and that I just have to figure that out, which I think then gets me in my head and causes anxiety. And it's more of just not this or that. And then I still have to figure out the how to make that work. But it's more of just 
identifying where I'm supposed to be or not be, and then use my human brain and coping skills and planning skills and all of that. And so I don't know if you can speak to that, but with intuition, I've always thought it means that there's some, God has a plan for me and I just need to follow that plan. Whereas it's, it's really just more an internal guidance of right and left. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out. You know, you could have quit your job and still experienced financial hardship or realized later that, you know, maybe it was a setback. Can you speak to the intuition idea that it it means you're doing it right and that there's a right way to do it? I think that is the fallacy is that there's a right way to do it. And I will say that your intuition does always lead you to something unexpected and much more expansive than you've experienced before. So I'll give you another example of this. So when I was really honing it and hearing it much more deeply, I was like overachieving in my yoga career because that was how I was wired at that time. And I was working three different jobs for a yoga company teaching yoga. And I was also writing a fitness column for the Seattle Times. And so my intuition said, it's like time for you to write a book, Nicole. And I was like, I don't have time. I'm working 60 hours a week. Like I don't have an agent. I don't even have an idea for a book. Like I don't know what this is about. But it just kept saying, it's time to write a book. It's time to write a book. It wasn't telling me how. It wasn't going to get me to the other side of the rainbow. Like it was just being really clear. It's time to write. And then I knew that I didn't have space for it. And then I also knew it was time for me to leave my yoga company job, which was half my paycheck and also my healthcare. And so it was kind of a weird one. I was like, this is super not logical, like on any level and no rational human would make the choice. But I also knew at that time better than to override my intuition. So I left the yoga company job and I ramped up my yoga hours. And then I was kind of like, hit me tell me what's going on. And all I did was I was like Googling, how do you find an agent? How do you write a book? And I took a writing class and I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then four months after I left that job, I got an email in my inbox from a local publisher that said, hey, Nicole, we are looking for someone to write yoga books for us. And we really like your column. And would you be interested in that? Wow. Yeah. And so not only did I get, and so I, that that's been my publisher for all three of my books. So that's to me, there is always the other side of it, but you don't get it immediately. And that's where we have to be in that faith and that patience of, I have to follow it. And then when I really am patient, I will see the other side, but you never see the other side at the moment. It tells you what to do. You only get it later. And that's the part, like if you're impatient or like you want, you're attached to the outcome or you want it to be a certain way. That's where we have to really start to practice. Okay, like I, I'm following what it says and I'm going to be patient until I see the other side. Yeah. So I'm currently going through a divorce. And of course, that's a big decision that I've worked very hard over the years to avoid. I mean, I'm not going to lie that I wanted to avoid that. But I remember the day that I woke up and I had said the words the night before and I was like, I was going to sleep on it and see how I feel in the morning. And for the first time I woke up and I was like, what would the version of me one year from now advise me to do if I knew I was going to be okay either way? Like either way, I'm going to be okay. I'll figure things out. Things are good. Things are bad. That's life. What would the version of me, if life is going to be a struggle for the next year either way, which path am I willing to struggle 
if that makes sense. And so I was like, yeah, no, I'm done having this conversation. I'm ready to make that choice and that decision. And that was really the first time I feel like I've truly ever followed my intuition in terms of making a major decision like that, where it came from a place of quiet. It came from a place of no fear, even though I have fear and there's logistical problems and logistical problems. I it doesn't matter. It's like the path is there and all I have to do is move through the fear. Can you talk a little bit about how to know if you're dealing with intuition and then how to connect with it? Yeah. So you gave such a great example of it and it is really important. I've been divorced as well. And it's really hard in those times of really a big emotional stress sometimes to understand it. And what you said, like it's just this quiet voice and starting to awaken, it really requires us to recognize the difference of the voices in our head because we have one that's talking constantly and it's often very critical. It's often telling you you're not doing things right or you're messing your life up or whatever it is. It's comparing you to other people. It's judging. And that voice is not your intuition. And the way to start to access the other voice is to really start to get yourself calm and grounded, calm your nervous system, get yourself into a place where you can be quiet, be present. And that present place is where your intuition lives. And then starting to also distinguish from that noisy voice in your head that's telling you're not doing enough in your life. And when we can start to really distinguish between those two, because we never really can quiet that noisy voice, like it's always going to be there, but understanding that it is not your intuition and then starting to awaken the other one. Because it's, I always think of it like a car. It's a built-in, it's a built-in system. It's like cruise control. Everyone has cruise control in the car. Everybody has this inner guidance system, but what you have to do is start to hone it and start to practice it. For so many of us, it's like, for me, that example I gave at the beginning, it's we just get one intuitive hit and then we don't hear it again. Like I didn't hear it again for years. And then now for myself on a daily basis, my intuition is actually leading me through. Like when I was getting divorced, my intuition is, okay, it's time for him to move out. And I had to just trust that voice, even though it's not what I wanted. But it was like, it's just time. And so I was like, all right, this is God. this is the next step. And when you can really start to get present and grounded, if you have anxiety or stress, and I know that's a lot of what your listeners are dealing with is like, how do we deal with that anxiety and stress is really having good coping mechanisms for the daily stresses is that first step. Because if you're feeling stressed consistently, you're going to have a really hard time listening. Can you give me like a real time example of what it sounds like in your head to realize that you've got anxiety and stress, very loud inner critic or, you know, fear or anxiety, whatever it is. Can you walk me through your internal process of the moment you realize that you're dealing with anxiety and how you actually make that turn? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll give you a really simple example. You know, Let's talk calendars because that can be a source of a lot of stress. And I've shared this one before, but I think it's always really helpful. So typically, like most of us, like you get an invite, like somebody requests a meeting or something and you put it on your calendar. You look at your calendar and you're just like, oh, there's a space and then you just pop it in. But for me, every time, if I want to be intuitive about it, before I answer it, I actually, I take a deep breath, I get grounded, I get calm, and then I listen. Is it time for me to 
take this meeting or not? And if the answer is no, then I would respond back and say, okay, let's do a different time. But if I was doing it in the logic-based system, I would just be like, there's a space in my calendar. I can just put something in there. And then even though at the time, I don't necessarily think I'm stressed or anxious, but that's often where it's coming from. You're like, you want to get back to them. You want to make sure that they get an answer. You are excited about the meeting or you want to connect with that person or you have something urgent you need to talk about. Because what happens is I've been the person who says, yes, I'm just putting it in. And then you get to the day where it's happening and you're like, I don't have any time for myself. Like I don't have a moment for a break. Like I don't even have, like everything is back to back. And then you're like, oh my gosh, but your intuition would have been like, no. And it wouldn't have told you why. It would have just been like, don't take that meeting at that time. And then you would have rearranged it. And then you would get to that day and be like, oh, because I needed that space. But when we're in a rush all the time, like we don't even recognize little things like that, that we need to do for ourselves. Actually, no, I need a break in my day. I can't constantly go back to back. That begs the question, what is intuition? Like, where does it come from? Is it us and it's just a felt sense of all this data that, you know, maybe we're not conscious of? Or is it, you know, external, you know, what the collective conscious? I mean, what is your interpretation of what intuition is? Yeah. I mean, to me, intuition is energy and it's, it is a higher space. It's a higher force. that's like communicating with me. And it's sometimes, so I'm also one of my weight, I'm a weightlifter, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. And one of my coaches always talks about how, like when they train soldiers, like you can feel, I think eight feet out, something like that. And he's, they train soldiers to like sense behind them, like that there's something that exists. There's a human creeping up on them. Right. And so I always think, yeah. And cause you can, and you know, like it's women always say, oh, we have this intuitive sense, like someone's behind you, but we actually, it's like a system in our body, but it's like not a system that we logically usually pay attention to. And so your intuition is like that. It's it's a sensing of energy of what's happening. And then that energy has a much bigger understanding of what's going on than you do. And then it's telling you and giving you... So I do this all the time too. Like even when I'm taking a cab or an Uber or something, I just kind of check my intuition. I'm like, am I in a good... Am I okay? And if it's yes, then I just relax. Because it can tell me from the energy of that person if things are going to be fine. But if my intuition was like, get out, I would get out of that car, you know? But that kind of feeling, it's like that energy and feeling. And it's not just the sensing someone behind you, but it is an energy. That's really what's happening with our intuition. Would you say then that energy, or excuse me, intuition is a felt sense, like almost like a smell or a taste or maybe all of the things. I know you and I are in an intuition course together where there's different ways to receive, but what I'm hearing is that it's actually something that you have to be aware of in your body and it's not necessarily connected to your thoughts? Yes. I would say it is definitely something that is felt in your body. And that's the first way, like when I teach all my clients, we work on that. Like how do you start to feel what it feels like to have, you know, in your body, yes, no is very simple. And that's when your body can start to feel that yes or that no. And then we start to identify from there, like how do we start to expand our intuition from that place? But yeah, so yes or no is like my simplest access to it. And I would say, yes, it is definitely distinct from thoughts. And while you can have communication, right, like I can sometimes see my intuition will tell me like a full sentence. It's not a thought. It's just a thing that it's like a download. It really comes. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And it's so distinct from my thoughts that I can tell that it's got its own. Yeah, it's kind of got its own voice. And I don't have a name for that voice. I think some people sometimes name it, but like I can hear it and it just speaks 
And then I'm like, oh, and then I, and then all these other thoughts can be happening. Like when I get an intuitive download, it's kind of funny sometimes. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so random out of nowhere. Because it does surprise me. It's not usually related on any level to any thought that I'm having. It just shows up. Wow. Sometimes I think I'm getting a download. One of my best times, my brain, when I wake up in the morning, not every morning, but some mornings, I just got to get a pen and write this down. Like it's Mm -hmm. just coming. And I don't know if that's my brain because sometimes the ideas maybe for a podcast episode or something I'm working on, sometimes it's fabulous. And then other times it doesn't prove to really be helpful. You know, maybe it was just kind of my brain high on its own chemicals. And I'm not attached to knowing one way or another, but do you have any thoughts on knowing the difference between what I'm going to lovingly refer to as a bipolar high (laughs) versus actual intuitive download? Yeah. If I'm in any doubt or worry or second guessing or fear, like I know that's not an intuitive download. If I'm spinning out and if I'm like, I can't, if I'm indecisive, indecision is actually a key way to understand that you're not intuitive. Like you're just thinking and you're processing and you're working. You're kind of, your brain is like overheating. It's like a computer, right? That's just overheating. When there's an intuitive download, it's clear, it's distinct. And then it just tells you and you're like, boom, in and out. And it might tell you a couple more times and then it pieces out because if you don't listen to it, it just goes away. Okay. So I do think of it like when I'm thinking too, because like I'm always processing stuff and thinking about things and like working things out. Um, it just comes in and it tells me like when I gave that example of the book, it was like really clear. It was like, it's time to write a book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. And then it was like, <laughs> write a book. And I was like, I don't really want to. That sounds hard, you know? And then it comes in and I don't push it, you know, because it doesn't, it won't be pushed. That's the other thing, especially if you're someone who's really likes to grip and wants to know all the time. Like it just doesn't really function from that place. It's a very detached, very like open space when it starts to come in and talk to you. Can you talk about what somebody who is listening and is, I would really like to get more intuitive Maybe let's just hit the benefits. Like why would somebody enroll me in this idea that I should live more intuitively as opposed to using my logic brain, which has kept me alive. You know, I'm a survivor. I'm a fighter. Like all of these things that we tell ourselves. Enroll me in why I would want to shift from logic-based thinking to intuitive-based thinking. Sure. There's two benefits that I love. So the first benefit is that it saves you so much time. Like you don't have to, your decision-making process is so much faster because you're not weighing pros and cons. You're not making lists. You're not thinking about all the benefits, like how it's got to go. You actually, and I know this, if I am spinning out on a decision, I'm like, ah, Nicole, just listen to your intuition. And then I can just lean into the, I can lean in, I feel it. And I'm like, okay, I know what to do. And then I just go. And so it's just, it saves an incredible amount of time. The other benefit is that there is, there are so many possibilities and miracles on the other side of your intuition because it's taking you down a pathway where you would just never know what's on the other side of it when you finally start to follow it. And like, I can give the example of divorce, like in divorce, I really resisted my divorce a lot. Like it was And I think probably everybody at some level does because it's just not what you expect when you marry somebody to have to go through it. 
And I really resisted it. I was really challenged by it. And I was like, what is this? Is this the plan? This plan sucks. I don't want to be in this plan, all that stuff. But then after going through divorce and then I got divorced right around the pandemic. But then after that, it opened me up to dating again and relationship. And then I met my now husband, Michael. And man, I, he is such a gift in my life. And I could not have met him unless I had followed my intuition through the course of my divorce to be in this space. And so to me, it's always there's always something on the other side of it that you just can't even imagine. And that's what I love about it. Because And sometimes that part of us that likes to control or want to know the answers really struggles with it because we're like, just tell me now. And your intuition does not operate on your timeline. It operates on its own. And when you start to have that faith and patience and you trust it and you're just like, all right, I'm just going to ride this roller coaster that you want to take me on. And then on the other side of it, is something really beautiful. Yeah. And I'd love so that was two examples. I would or two reasons to follow your intuition. I'd also like you to speak to why not following your intuition doesn't really work out either. So if somebody's, you know, like not willing to put the faith and the time in to both develop and then trust their intuition, talk to me about the the consequences of ignoring your intuition. I love that you asked this question because it's such a good one. And there are actually really significant ones. So when we call, I call that an override when you do not follow your intuition. And when you override it, there are major physical costs. So when we have health issues, stress, anxiety, but also like injuries and all these other things, they all come from some energetic place. And so when you override your intuition, there is always a cost. And, you know, you can always go with learning the lesson. So I always think of it this way. You can either learn the lesson or you can have the miracle. So if you override your intuition, you get to have the lesson. And the lesson might not be a lesson you're very excited about, but you get to have the lesson. Or if you follow your intuition, you could have the miracle instead. And it can be challenging for us because a lot of times we don't want the lesson. And so we're like, I'm going to just override or I feel safe here. So I'm going to just keep doing things how I've always done. Like my women are often considering a career change or you know, making a big leap or starting their own business and they feel very stressed about it. But I know for them to stay where they're at and like the safe zone that they're in is so much more stressful and there's such a great cost to overriding themselves because then on top of that too, you don't trust yourself. Like you have this experience where you don't actually follow through what you say you're going to do and that has a lot of internal just, I don't know, I feel like despair can come up for people when they're really not following what they know to do and they're not even aware of it, it can just get very stressful in there. And so there's pretty high cost to overriding it. Yeah. And what I have discovered recently about intuition is that it's also very forgiving. You know, I can look at the divorce that I'm currently going through and look back on the first date and spot the intuitive hit that I used logic and emotion to override. And then I can look at how much I've been supported in my learning process because I chose door two. Let's take the lesson, not the miracle. And yet my life has been a miracle and it's all been okay. And I feel like sometimes I know myself, if I realize I've made a mistake, I'm afraid then to lean into my intuition because I've dug my own hole and I deserve to be here as opposed to, you know, intuition is always there. It's not judgmental. Like it can, it's there no matter where you find yourself, you can use your intuition to get out. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's always with you. And that's what I love about it. And it will, it's like you said, it will always make the best of whatever situation you're in. So if you've been overriding and you're taking the lesson, it will guide you to where you want to go next. And so it is so powerful like that. And I agree. It's completely forgiving. It's very loving. It's never going to judge you. If you don't take what it says, it's great and peace out. And then you're dealing with the cost or the lesson. And when you're ready for it again, it's, oh, I'm here. And then let's listen again. And then let's see if we can follow it through to the next thing. So what do you think causes, especially women, to turn off their intuition? You know, I have had so many friends who are very 3D, and you and I know what that means. It's, you know, I don't play in the spiritual or the energetic world. I don't talk about that. You know, we're talking about today, the here and now. And I've had so many of these women who present this way. And then, you know, over a glass of wine, they'll tell you, actually, I'm very intuitive. I just shut it down. And my question is, what causes people to do that? Is there trauma? Is there maybe they did get farther being the perfectionist overthinker, you know, and now they feel like they have to, I I don't even know what the feelings are. If I had thought I was intuitive, I would have been listening to it the whole time. I honestly thought only some people are intuitive and not other people. So I guess it's a two-pronged question. What causes people to shut down their intuition? And then does everybody have access to intuition? I was like you too. Like I always thought just special people were intuitive. Like when someone say that person's so intuitive, I would think, I wish I was too. I'm not, right? How do you become that way? And so yes, first I'm going to answer the second part first, which is yes, that everyone is intuitive. It's built in. It's like your cruise control. Like all cars have it, all humans have it. And what people do to squash it, I mean, there's the list of this is very long, Colleen, of the reasons that we don't. Because, you know, kids are very intuitive. And then typically what often happens at some point, like somebody says something, so it's family, it's culture, you know, it's teachers who don't want you to access that part of yourself because they haven't or they're trained to not let you do that instead of actually letting you guide yourself from an intuitive way and encouraging you to develop that intuition. And then our society at large values logic, like our society values intelligence, but they only value one kind of intelligence. And, you know, intuition is an intelligence and it's a really amazing intelligence, but if it's not valued and if it's not encouraged, people don't do that. Like I, you know, I was like, I did all the super smart things. Like I went to a great college. I did all of that. And Never once did anyone ever talk to me about even connecting to my body, let alone my intuition. And so it had to come much later in my life. And then I had to deprogram myself from all the stuff I learned about using logic. You know, like how do you apply for a job? You go online, you do all the resumes, you follow the rules. It was never about how do I start to imagine and visualize a thing that I really want and then follow that through and use my intuition to guide myself. So I think there's so many pieces to it. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, every system you can see in our society that's in place is actually really designed to squash it. Like it doesn't want you, because also too, here's the other side of it is if we actually use it, we are so much more in our own power and worth and value. And our, like these big systems don't benefit from individuals being in their power and worth and value. And so it doesn't help them because they want you to follow the rules and do things a certain way, like the big systems do. And so when you, because when you follow it, you exit that system. And you start to live a life that's much more about who you are, your identity is clear, and you can really be yourself in the world. And that doesn't actually serve 
it serves us individually when we can access it, but it doesn't serve those systems. You referred to intuition as kind of a type of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that does lend to some people having stronger sense of intuition than other people. How do you work with people to develop intention or intuition? Because I know my beliefs have changed about intelligence and that you can develop it. You know, maybe you weren't born, you know, top of the class in that particular skill, but you can certainly develop it with the right tools. So how do you work with women who want to become more intuitive? What are first steps? What are basic principles, best practices? Yeah. We start with really getting grounded first. That's the first essential piece. And it is something you can develop over time. And then they go through a series of practices with me. And a lot of this is stuff that is really basic, but I find most women aren't doing. Like even basic self-care is not happening for most women consistently. And so just starting to understand to prioritize yourself, because if you can prioritize yourself, then you can start to listen to yourself. If you're not listening to yourself to begin with, like I know tons of women who are just like running themselves ragged, they're super burned out, and then they're not even taking five minutes. And if you're not even able to take five minutes to just, you know, meditate or take a bath or do something that's going to help you feel better, it's going to be very hard to start to develop intuition. So all of my women start at the very beginning with calming their nervous systems, like bringing down the anxiety, bringing down the stress. And then over time, what we're doing is starting to develop self-worth on a deeper level and really ramping up, celebrating themselves and learning who they are. And then they're like, okay, they can feel confident and clear on who they are. And then we start to get into the pieces of what does intuition really look like on a daily basis. And we do big practices to clear out any blocks that are getting in the way of them feeling connected to who they are. You actually have a program for developing your intuition specifically, or is that it's tied into self-worth? I know your podcast is School of Self-Worth, isn't it? Yeah. To me, self-worth is tied into intuition. So they kind of go hand in hand. And so my program, yes. So we work on self-worth and we work on intuition because without self-worth, it's basically not possible to develop your intuition. So we have to boost both of those at the same time is how I see it. So yeah, in my course, Clear Calling, we work specifically on how do you start to make these intuitive decisions and then step into a life where you feel really clear and confident on who you are and you can step into your next phase. So what's a timeline? You know, if I want to go from hot mess to super grounded, intuitive specialist of my own life, what is the timeline? How quickly can you make and achieve a transformation? And obviously there's probably layers of the onion, but what do you typically see when someone sets an intention to make this happen for themselves? I mean, people can develop their intuition in 30 days, like they do in my course. Like you can definitely develop it in 30 days. And then over time, you get deeper into it. But if you want to learn like the basics of intuition, for sure, you can do it in 30 days. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's really inspiring. So I appreciate you sharing with that. Is there anything else that you want to share about intuition? Anything I didn't ask or any nuggets that you have to offer? I want to point out the obvious. If you're having an intuitive hit, you might have intuition, then you are intuitive. If you're listening to this and things are resonating and you're like, I'm curious about that, like that is your intuition talking to you. It's starting to tell you and speak. There's something like if something around this particular podcast is compelling, start to listen to those things because those are the places where your intuition is like, it's trying to get out. 
here's the other, it's like, it's kind of trapped in a box right now if it's never been used and it's, excuse me, like that wants to be heard. And if it's telling you, man, there's something here, listen to that. Cause that's the way you're going to develop it. You start to say, oh, like maybe I should pay attention to what's going on. And then that's going to take me to what's next. And I would affirm that, you know, I feel like I've kind of stumbled into intuition by the practices of self-care and checking in with my body. I can't believe or understand how I managed to get through the first 45 years of my life, really just being a talking head and how scary and different it has been to start living in my body so that I don't just feel like all my energy and my awareness of who I am is just in my head. I mean, that's one of the ways I would describe it is like having an awareness that I have toes. When you were saying, you know, the grounding practice, one of my favorite grounding practices that I just kind of came up with on my own is to feel my toes. And somehow that lights up my whole body and I love a good foot massage. So just like spreading my toes and, and picking them up and down, like that grounds me into my body. And the more time I spend in my body, the more I have access to my intuition. Like I said, I feel like I've just stumbled into that. And now I'm super curious about intu intuition because I'm finding that I know things or that I'm like the answer that I'm looking for is underneath all of the mental chatter and the noise in my head. And if I just sink literally into my toes, like there's just this knowing there. Not that everything's going to be perfect or okay, but just that, okay, the path is over here versus over there. And so it, it is a, a wonderful thing to do. But for women who are living in their head by the seat of their pants, chicken with their head cut off, you know, it certainly would be quite a shift in terms of daily habits. Absolutely. And I, when I was a yoga teacher, that was one of my favorite moves was to lift my toes, to get mm -hmm. grounded when I was teaching. I was like, okay, like I can feel my feet. And if I can feel my feet, I can feel like I am more present and back into my body versus spinning out in my head. So yeah, I'm totally with you. And it, it doesn't take a lot to start to get grounded. You know, and that's the, the practice and that's the place to begin is like just to do simple things like just shake your body out. If you feel stressed, sometimes if I feel stressed, I just jump around and shake just to get myself out of my head, you know, and, and just do that. Try that right now and be like, oh, I feel a little bit better. And then I feel a little bit more connected to my physical body. And then that is that pathway that's going to get you towards your intuition. You know, I do that like before, I didn't do it before you and I met, but often before a masterclass or a podcast interview, I will go do like jumping jacks. Like our friend, Christine Lee, she starts all of her podcasts where we have to kind of meditate for three minutes or five minutes and come into this space. But I find getting my heart rate going and that helps me get into my body. And so I just want to encourage the listeners that you don't have to become intuitive overnight. Like the question I would leave them with or the call to action would be, how could you become one more, 1% 1 more intuitive? How could you move the needle just a little bit? And then it invites you to go deeper. Do you have any calls to action or suggestions for people? I love that inspiration of like 1% because it is like that. We just have to very slowly one bit at a time. And then we have to be interested and then to follow that interest and that energy. Because I think for myself, how it started was, oh, that person's really intuitive. I'd like to be intuitive. And that was it. And then that interest in it is what started to help me develop it over time. 
And I think that is all really so helpful. And I have actually, for those of you too, who are interested, I have a private podcast that is dedicated just to this. And if you're curious about it, it's called The Secret Language of Intuition. And we can put it in the show notes if you're up for that. But that's also another way for you just to start to listen. And it goes over the four components you need to really start to bring and master the language of intuition. I want to take that for sure. So I'll put that (laughs) link from you. And just before we end, I do want to say that what you, the way you described your intuition, it's kind of like to me, hearing a song that's full of instruments, orchestra, voice, and training yourself to listen to one part, you know, like the triangle or the little instrument that's barely there. And really it is about shifting your focus. Like you can hear your intuition. It's just lost in the noise and training yourself to notice it, The like the refrigerator hum or the fan hum. Like it's always there. It's just, you have to train yourself to tune into it. Yeah. I feel like that's a really great, I love the work. I'm a, I play violin. So I love the orchestra example. So it is listening to that, but then it's also the other piece of it is bringing all the pieces of you together so that you can hear it. So like in an orchestra, I always think if we have to have all the players here to be making this beautiful music together, and then you tune in to hear that one resonant thing. So yeah, it's a beautiful analogy. Thank you. All right. So we'll put your information in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Nicole. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. What a joy. Thank you so much for having me on. It's just, I'm so, I hope your listeners get something from this. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe we'll have you back because we'll just do level one today. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, my people, thank you for listening and tune in tomorrow. I'm going to post a second episode again this week with Dr. Michelle Maidenberg, who is the author of Ace Your Life, Unleash Your Best Self and Live the Life You Want. And she's going to be here to cover simple mindfulness strategies to unleash your personal power. So that'll go live at 5 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. And then I want to remind you that if you are enjoying this content, please take the time to share it with a friend, promote the episode on your social medias, or leave me a review or rating on Spotify or Apple. Every time you engage with this show in some way, the algorithm takes notes and shows it to other people. And if you're appreciating this content, if it's helping you, supporting you, then giving back in some way not only helps me, but also helps other women who are also looking for alternative answers and broader perspective. You know, there's just a lot of noise out there. And my brand of crazy isn't for everybody, but it certainly is for some people. And I know I would have appreciated knowing about a podcast like this when I was struggling. I mean, in some ways, I create this podcast for my former self, all the things that I wanted to learn about and know about as I healed and not have to focus completely on alcohol, but going upstream to learn how to heal my relationship with myself and manage my mind and cope with my stress and process my emotions. You know, all those pesky little things that we forget are actually what is driving the habits and behaviors that are giving us problems and keeping us stuck. So please share the show in some way. And then I also have in the show notes a link to my secret podcast on the foundations of emotional sobriety. And that is a course. And if you want to work with me for free, that is the easiest and best way to do it. My foundations of emotional sobriety course will help you start doing the work on your mindset, changing how you think 
about what you think. Emotional sobriety is just, it just means you're no longer intoxicated by your own bullshit and you have the ability to extract the objective truth from any situation. I teach uh, thought models and a couple of other tools that basically turn emotions into math problems and allow you to solve for X. What is X? X is your own limiting beliefs. And when you have the skill to do that, that is what allows you to then process your emotions because you're able to make sense of them. And I created the Foundations of Emotional Sobriety course as my free gift to my community as a starting point for reclaiming your mental health, which is the superpower that you're looking for. So all that's in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.